Welcome to the Ogletree Deacons podcast, a brief discussion of compelling legal issues and practical insights. Please note that the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be, nor should it be construed as legal advice. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. Please enjoy the program. All right, everyone. We are excited to give a follow-up to mandatory vaccinations in the workplace. We know that's a hot-button topic right now. We've seen uh, a ton of action on this front in the media. Uh, All of our clients have asked about it. And so uh, Brett Daniel, Jim Paul, and I are excited to have the opportunity to discuss Uh, what's going on in this space with everyone. Okay, Um, just quickly want to make sure we introduce all the players. Uh, Jim, you want to introduce yourself? Sure, Jim Paul from the St. Louis office of Ogletree Deacons, and uh, happy to be here with you guys today. Hi, Brett Daniel from the Richmond office of Ogletree Deacons. Uh, Happy to be here as well. And of course, I'm Jimmy Robinson, uh, the managing shareholder of the Richmond office of Ogletree Deacons. All right, Brett, why don't we get started off with you? We want to just go back and remind everyone that we're in this pandemic and we have uh, this amazing product out there called the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, There's a lot of questions about whether or not the vaccine can uh, be mandatory and can employers require their employees to be vaccinated. Sure. And and Jimmy, as you know, we've put out a lot of content on this topic going back to September of 2020. So I'll just briefly touch on it and say that the EEOC is stuck to its longstanding position that employers may mandate vaccinations. Uh, They haven't changed that position with COVID-19. There are two important considerations, though. Generally, you may mandate vaccines unless an employee requests an accommodation based on a covered disability under the ADA or sincerely held religious belief under Title VII. Um, So high level answer is yes, you can do it, but uh, you really need to be careful and make sure that you are accepting and analyzing and engaging in the interactive process for any requests for an accommodation based on a disability uh, or religious belief. Right. And we've seen a lot of movement in this space with uh, governors and uh, various state legislators trying to proactively get out ahead of uh, what employers are doing and saying uh, that they're going to prohibit employees from mandating vaccination. I have not seen, and you guys jump in uh, and, and tell me if I'm wrong with this, I have not seen any state specifically come out and say, we're going to prohibit employers from mandating vaccines. But what I have seen is a number of uh, state legislators and governors coming out, uh, putting laws in place that prohibit discrimination based on an employee's vaccine status. So under the various bills, the employee Um, who's unvaccinated, the employer can't fire them if they're unvaccinated, they can't fail to hire them 
or otherwise discriminate against them uh, with respect to compensation in terms of employment uh, because they're not vaccinated. But I haven't seen any states come out and say, no, we're going to make sure that employers cannot require uh, employees to be vaccinated. Um, what I have seen is uh, the vaccine passports and the various states banning those kind of passports. Um, and we know that New York became the first state to launch what they called a COVID-19 vaccine passport. Uh, that one's it was called the Excelsior Pass. And it was on a digital platform that was free and it was voluntary for all New Yorkers. And they can confirm whether or not uh, there was a they had a negative PCR or antigen test results. And they can also provide proof of vaccination. As a result of that, there was this huge flurry that came out um, where uh, there was a, a support by the White House Secretary Gene. Uh, Pasaki said that the federal government uh, is not now, nor will it be supporting a system that requires the Americans to carry these kind of passport cards. Um, and we know that uh, in Florida, uh, Ron DeSantis, the governor, signed an executive order prohibiting the use of a COVID-19 uh, vaccine. We know in Texas, they instituted a ban on the COVID-19 passports. I'm sorry, when I said um, Florida, I meant to say a, a passport ban. And we know that a number of different states have also looked at this. Georgia, Governor Brian Kemp came out and said, uh, we're not going to uh, require these passports. So there's a lot of movement going on in the, in, the, in the workforce with employers trying to figure out, can we uh, require uh, employees to show proof of vaccination. Um, and in response to that, we've seen a number of governors and legislators saying, hey, you can't prohibit customers from coming into your retail shops if they're not vaccinated. But that's not across the country. That's just in some um, some very limited states at this point in time. Anything else on that front, guys? No, other than it's influx and on a state by state basis, and it depends on where the state's located and potentially uh, political affiliation of the governors and the legislature. Right. So we're going to have to continue to monitor that. Uh, just as Jimmy said, you know, New York was at the forefront of creating and implementing kind of a passport system. Uh, but as we've seen and talked about, uh, other states are trying to ban uh, trying to ban that process and the vaccine passport idea. So uh, it's going to be interesting and we're just going to have to keep monitoring it. I would just emphasize the distinction that you made between employees and customers. So my understanding is that some of these vaccine passport bills that are out there, for example, in Texas may apply to customers, people seeking services. You can't require them to show a quote unquote passport. Uh, but it's unclear at this point how that's going to apply to employers and as it stands today, no legislation has passed. There's plenty of bills pending, but no legislation has passed that would inhibit an employer's ability to make vaccination a term or condition of employment. That's a huge distinction. And thank you for that, Brett. And in fact, I'll go a little bit further and say I am not aware of any states that have pending legislation that will 
uh, prohibit employers from requiring their workforce uh, to uh, show proof of vaccination. There certainly may be some out there that I'm not aware of, but I have not seen that. But again, as Jim and Brett said, uh, there's a big distinction between employees and customers, and there's also uh, constant flux and movement in this space that we all need to pay attention to. There's a little pause right now as they figure out what's going on with the blood clots. Um, does the emergency use authorization affect an employer's ability to mandate the vaccine? So the the easy answer to does it affect uh, is absolutely it affects it. Uh, but uh, the, the question is the million dollar question of does it prohibit or interfere with an employer's ability to mandate? And the answer is probably not or it depends uh, the, just as a little bit of a refresher, the FDA uh, can approve uh, some type of uh, med- medication or device such as a vaccine uh, on an emergency use basis without going through the full approval process. And that's what they've done with these COVID-19 vaccinations. Uh, and as part of the FDA framework and regulations, uh, and this is pre-pandemic, they've always had Kind of the caveat that when a, when a, a particular uh, medication or device is only approved for emergency use authorization at, at that stage only, then it can't be required uh, that that someone take or receive that medication or device, right? So uh, that that's the current status of these vaccinations. But that doesn't necessarily mean that an employer can't require it of its employees. It just says uh, that someone can't be forced or required or mandated to take the vaccine. It doesn't mean that there won't be repercussions for doing that. And you have to realize, too, that at least in the usual situation and pre-pandemic, this was more of a, a medical or healthcare issue that patients couldn't be forced to take medications uh, that were only in the emergency use authorization stage. So uh, with all of that said, we have clearly federal government approval uh, for employers to uh, mandate vaccines. The EEOC has come out and said that that can be required subject to those exceptions that Brett talked about a few minutes ago. But clearly we are seeing, or at least I am, and guys uh, you know, chime in, we're seeing employees who've been able to Google or know about that EUA caveat of not uh, not being forced to take a vaccine and have tried to use that as a reason or way to protest or object to an employer's policy on vaccinations. And so it, it definitely has an effect because people can find that and see that. And that's kind of out there uh, for people to talk about, debate and use as a reason to uh, refuse to get vaccinated. So we're definitely going to have to deal with that. Right, guys? That's exactly right, Jim. And and I want to stay on this topic and, and bring you into this conversation, Brett, because when we're talking about employees' ability to mandate the vaccine, sometimes employers um, may not want to mandate the vaccine for all of its employees, but there are sometimes certain subgroup of employees, maybe critical infrastructure group of employees that um, the employer may say, okay, you're a supervisor, you're you're in this particular role, we absolutely can't afford uh, not to have you vaccinated. Uh, can they mandate vaccination employers, that is, from some employees or subgroup of employees 
um, and not others, Brett? Absolutely. Uh, Jimmy, as you mentioned, there are various subgroups of employees at any company. And obviously, companies differ in the types of products and services they provide. So the analysis is really going to be individualized to each company. And, you know, we're, we're seeing several companies out there sort of place their employees in different buckets. Some of them are customer facing. Some of them provide critical infrastructure services. Some of them are perfectly capable of working from home and continuing to work remotely as, as they've done for the last several months. So maybe a uniform policy isn't, isn't the best option under those circumstances. One thing we've seen is employers deciding, okay, we have critical infrastructure workers uh, that we need on site. Let's go ahead and, and get them vaccinated. But we've also seen the opposite. Uh, some companies need people on site so badly that implementing uh, a vaccination policy that could potentially preclude those people from coming on site isn't the best option. So they've taken the inverse position. Uh, where they have uh, a policy for non-critical workers, where they say, look, if you want to come back uh, to company premises, you need to get vaccinated. If you don't want to do that, then you can continue uh, as part of the status quo, just continue working remotely, working from home. But for our critical workers who we need on site, we are not going to uh, implement uh, a strict vaccination requirement. So in a situation like that, you know, it, it's not necessarily a mandatory policy because the remote non-critical worker has the option, right? They can continue to work from home or they can get the vaccination to continue to come or to come back uh, onto company property, uh, which looks more like an incentive. And, and that's another thing that we've talked a lot about. Uh, we've seen companies consider incentivizing vaccination rather than mandating it. And Jimmy, I know you may have some other examples in addition to access to company property of incentives that companies have implemented in order to encourage their workers to get vaccinated. Yeah, I, you're exactly right. Paid time, um, paid leave time, additional vacation, even some financial incentives like $75 to $100. Um you know, employers are doing a variety of different things to try to make sure that they are um, encouraging, incentivizing their workforces to get vaccinated. Now, you have to be very careful with that. You have to determine whether or not uh, these incentives will qualify as non-discretionary bonuses under the Fair Labor Standards Act. If you're giving gift cards, if you're getting cash. Um, what type of incentive are you putting out? And is this program a optional wellness program? Um, because we know optional wellness programs are permitted. The EOC came out at the end of um, at the end of January or right before uh, Biden was inaugurated, and they put some proposed rules out there um, that provide guidance on wellness programs under the American with Disabilities Act and uh, uh, Gina Act and indicated that employers could offer what they called a de minimis incentive for employees to receive a COVID-19 vaccination. Um, but because that uh, those rules were not in place by the time Biden actually took office, they were withdrawn um, those proposed rules because they were not published in the Federal Registry by 
uh, President Biden's inauguration. I don't know if we're going to see some of those proposed rules and guidance come out again, uh, but it's something, a space that we should also look at because the faster and more widespread vaccination of employees is what we are seeing uh, why employers want to incentivize them. So look at your optional wellness program, make sure that uh, they're optional, um, that they are voluntary uh, because there are going to be uh, some folks who would not be able to participate for various reasons, religious reasons for um, health and disability reasons as well. Um, and to that end, Jim, it'd be interested to hear from you um, when we're talking about employers and trying to incentivize their employees, trying to make sure that they have those critical infrastructure employees in there uh, and vaccinated. Can employers actually ask those employees, hey, have you been vaccinated? Uh, and if the employee says no, can they say, um, hey, why haven't you been vaccinated? Is that allowed? <laughs> yeah, well, great question. And so stepping back for one second too, be careful about doing this because that Jimmy was talking about incentives. There may be kind of an underlying disincentive for employees to get vaccinated or at least tell you uh, or tell their employers that they're vaccinated, right? Because if they've been working remotely for the last year and want to continue to do that with their family members and pets and everybody else uh, in the home and not have a commute, that that potentially will give them an opportunity to say, I haven't or will not get vaccinated. And so therefore, I want to continue to work remotely indefinitely. And, you know, we've seen the companies, employers that uh, from both ends of the spectrum that want to encourage people to work remotely indefinitely or permanently and others you know, never wanted employees to work remotely to begin with and only did it, you know, uh, for whatever groups could be done and only for a limited time and want to get everybody back into the office or the facility or the locations that uh, were set up pre-pandemic to have all employees show up on a regular and reliable basis. So you can generally, employers can ask employees if they've been vaccinated, but Make sure you have a reason to do that. If you're not mandating it or if you're not requiring that to return to work or continue working in whatever capacity, including remote work, why do you need to ask, right? And, and why should you ask? Because depending on the answer you get, you might get uh, off track or detoured into a conversation that you uh, shouldn't have uh, or that could violate uh, various laws or rules. If you start talking about medical conditions or religious beliefs and aren't prepared to deal with that or accommodate that, then that can be a problem. So if you want to or need to, as an employer, require vaccination before employees return back to work on site or in the office or from a certain date going forward, uh, you know, we, we've seen employers want to do that and set up good procedures for that process. But don't do it until you have those procedures in place and you know how you're going to respond to employees who either, um, for whatever reason, refuse to tell their employer that they're vaccinated or say that they're not getting vaccinated and therefore need to continue working remotely because that may or may not be the goal or target for your organization that you have a continuing set of employees uh, working remotely on an indefinite basis. but generally, uh, the way that it's set up now, 
employers can ask, subject to, again, these laws and executive orders that are kind of swirling around in the various states. And, and just real quick to go back to the Texas order, it comes really close. First of all, it it, it seems to cover governmental employers, so you know, state agencies and departments as employers can't compel uh, proof of vaccination, or at least that's one way to interpret it. And it could also potentially be extended to those companies or associations that receive public funds or grants from the state of Texas. So be aware of that. Uh, and if if you're a public entity or employer and you're in one of the states that may have legislation or an executive order, you may not be able to ask or require proof of vaccination for your employees as that public entity uh, if it's prohibited by um by the governor or by legislation in your state. And then if you're receiving you know, public money, that may be another area where you have some restrictions. But um, certainly, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of employers uh, ask or require that to return to the office, aren't we, Brett and Jimmy? Absolutely. And, you know, I know that we're kind of running on time here, guys, so we have to wrap this up. We can talk about this all day because we get these questions constantly. Um, you know, Brett, when we were talking about uh, vaccinations and can you ask an employer and I mean, employee, whether they've been vaccinated and can you ask them if they haven't been vaccinated? Why not? Can you also go a little step further and say, OK, you know, we're not going to ask you if you've been vaccinated and we certainly aren't going to ask you why you haven't been vaccinated. Um, but we want you to sign this waiver saying that if you're coming into the workforce now, we're opening up. Um, and that if you get COVID-19, that you're not going to sue us and you're going to sign this waiver saying that it's not our fault. Sure. So we've seen uh, questions about waivers under two different circumstances. One is the one you just laid out, Jimmy, where employers are saying, hey, you're welcome to come back. But if you get COVID at the workplace, it's not on us. Uh, the other situation is where employers have decided to implement some type of vaccination policy. And they're saying, okay, we are requiring or encouraging employees to get uh, vaccinated, but we want to make sure that we're not liable for any sort of um, adverse reaction to the vaccine. And of course, in most states, you can uh, require a waiver really for any type of circumstance. The question is whether it's going to be enforceable in court. Uh, here in Virginia, uh, these types of prospective waivers generally are not going to be enforceable. But that doesn't stop you from, from requiring a waiver just as sort of a, a disincentive against filing suit. When it comes to vaccination waivers, you know, remember that the manufacturers have immunity from suit. Uh, in addition, traditionally, any sort of uh, adverse reaction to a vaccine that a worker received, whether it's a flu vaccine or, or something in a healthcare setting, that would potentially go through the workers' comp process. So it's not clear at this point uh, the potential for liability uh, for individual employers. And in some states, they've advanced bills actually to expand the immunity to employers as well for any type of COVID-related injury that happens on the work site. So that, that's something to keep an eye out for as well. Um, but this is a very state-specific issue. You want to look at whether the waiver is enforceable and also look at your motivation uh, for requiring a waiver. Uh, if, if your goal is to make sure that as many people on site 
are vaccinated as possible, a waiver with a bunch of scary legalese might dissuade workers from getting the vaccination. So take a look at state law. Also take a look at, at what your goal is for your specific workplace and go from there. And finally, guys, one of the things that we're seeing is that with more and more people getting vaccinated, the question of can I, uh, can you still require me, an employee, to wear a mask if I've been vaccinated? And, you know, there is this Bermuda Triangle, the intersection between states, um, executive orders, things from the governor, um, state OSHA regulations, federal guidelines from the CDC, uh, and potentially OSHA said they're going to put out some guidelines. And so the question is, um, how do employers manage that? It's a confusing um, space because they there's a lot of contradiction between even the executive orders and the state's uh, OSHA orders. And so um, when one of the advice that our uh, clients are asking is, you know, what should we do uh, with respect to looking at uh, complying with everything? And, you know, one of the things that we want to suggest is that you look very closely at the executive orders and that you look very closely at the state OSHA regulations and the CDC guidelines and remember that the CDC guidelines really talk about public use uh, when you're vaccinated. What can vaccinated uh, families do uh, when everyone in the family has been vaccinated? Can they uh, discard their mask and socialize with each other without uh, their mask? Um, and so when you're looking at that as an employer, make sure that you're reading it into context and you're not trying to apply guidance from the CDC dealing with public use as opposed to what should be done if there is a uh, your and your private company. Um, so I know that's confusing and I know we don't have a whole lot of more time, but I want to give Jim and Brett, you guys, an opportunity to kind of wrap this up for us. Sure, Jimmy. Uh, yeah, so, the, so this is almost as clear as mud. And even between the three, you know, among the three of us, there's been some debate and maybe even slightly different ways of interpreting some of these things. So you can imagine, you know, you add the mix of uh, all the various state guidance that we're getting and combine it with potentially conflicting guidance, even from the federal government. And you, you can see that all of us are just going to need to work our way through this as we're hopefully nearing the end of this pandemic and coming out the other side. And getting back to business as usual for all, for you and all of your employees, but we, we're not sure exactly how quickly that's going to happen or what the new normal really is, right, Brett? Absolutely, and I'd be interested to hear what what you're seeing out there, Jim, because here in Virginia, which was the first state to implement state OSHA standards that were mandatory for all employers, we we really are in somewhat of a Bermuda Triangle. Those are mandatory guidelines from the state OSHA departments that all employers have to adhere to. They have not been updated since the vaccine became widely available. Then we have executive orders, which trump the state OSHA guidelines uh, also have not been updated since the vaccination became widely available. And naturally, employers are saying, well, we're getting everybody vaccinated, but nothing's changed. We're still having to mask up. We're still having to social distance. We're still having to encourage people to work remotely. So when can we get back to normal? We haven't seen 
the government here in Virginia update those guidelines. So now employers are sort of in this middle ground where they're trying to make things easier uh, for their employees. They're trying to uh, reward people for getting vaccinated and, and try to loosen up these these restrictions like face coverings. But right now, uh, the OSHA guidance, the executive orders, those are still in effect and all employers are going to have to continue to comply here in Virginia. All right, guys, it's a lot for um, everyone to unpack. And um, I'm sure that we'll receive uh, a number of more questions that we'll have to jump on, grab our, our snow, uh, blue snowball microphones, Jim, Brad, and I, and, and do another podcast. Thank you, guys. We really appreciate it. Good luck, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Ogletree Deacons podcast. You can subscribe to our podcasts on Apple Podcasts or through your favorite podcast service. Please consider rating and reviewing so that we may continue to provide the content that covers your needs. And remember, the information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice.